Some of you wives have said that to your husband. Some of you family members have heard that before. Maybe a friend told you, you better just stop. Don't even bother going there. This is another type of don't go there, though. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the prayer initiative that we have undertaken. We have entered into a covenant together with God, and we're partnering together with Him to see His kingdom come and His will be done in the lives of the people that we love and we care about. Anytime that you can enter into a covenant or a partnership with God, you know you're going to win. Did you know that? What a privilege to be able to partner with God. You're always going to be on the winning side. There's this beautiful promise that God made to Solomon after the dedication of the temple. You need to understand that this promise was made at what many would say is the high point. You need to understand this was during the high point, the high point of Israel's history. They had just dedicated the temple. The glory of the Lord came and settled down on that place. It settled down so heavily. It settled down so heavily on that place that the priests couldn't stand because of the anointing. They couldn't minister. It would seem that in a time like this, it'd be hard to imagine that people would ever want to turn away from the Lord and rebel against him. But knowing the sinful nature of mankind, God made a promise. And he said this, if I send judgment upon the people as a result of their sin, if the people experience the consequences of their sin, you can do something about it. If you go from this time of such glory that people can't stand because of the glory, and if the people turn away from God, you can do something about it. And this is what he says. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. We the saints, us, we can do something about the brokenness of our society. We can do something about the depravity of our families. We can do something about the depravity of our nation. If we will humble ourselves and pray, seek God's face, and if we'll turn, us, the church, the body of Christ, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, we will hear from heaven. God will forgive the sins of our nation and he will heal our land. He will bring revival. We, the saints, need to be doing our part. And if we do our part, he will do his. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, we have a chance to pray now and make a difference. There's going to come a time when it will be too late to pray for somebody. You realize that. There's going to come a time when you're wasting your breath. There's a certain point in time when prayers are not answered. There's a certain point in time where prayers don't accomplish anything. But we're not there yet. I want you to hear me. Your prayers are powerful and effective. I got some good news and I got some bad news. Here's the reality. I need to tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie to you. There's some of you who will not in this lifetime see your prayers answered. 
But that does not mean that God will not answer your prayers. Some of you will be dead and gone and you will not have had the privilege to see the answer to your prayer. But I know in this room there's people who are here as a result of prayers of people who are dead and gone already. But God was faithful. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. And so your prayers now are, they're powerful and effective. But there's going to come a time when there's no sense praying. I want to share with you what I sense. This is a, I know I'm going in a couple different angles here, but I want to share with you what I sense the Lord saying when I'm praying. I want to say this to you. Those of you who do devotions on a daily basis, we're asking you to do them on a daily basis. God will be speaking to you on a daily basis. The reason why we're asking you to write down and to listen what God is saying, not just read your Bible and pray, is because it takes a little bit of extra work to listen and be able to write down what you sense the Holy Spirit is saying to you, okay? You can't just fly by through that. It's another step, and we're asking you to do that. Where you're listening and you're saying, what is Jesus praying? What's he praying for me? What is the Lord saying to me? What is he saying to me? Given what I've received today, what I've read, what's happened, what's going on around me, what is the Lord saying? And you're going to find that God is a communicating God, and he's speaking to you on an ongoing basis. I want to share with you what I sense that the Lord was saying. God is going to judge sin in our church. And I've already seen that happen in the lives of some people. And it's sad to see that. I believe that he told me to give you the opportunity to get ahead of it. It's like a flood. You need to get out of the danger zone. There's times where a flood is coming. Well, something always amazes me. You'll see that there's a people parked beside a stream. And there's a flash, you know, the flash flood warnings. And these crazy people, here's a flood, and somehow they're going to drive through it. Some people are just goofy. Well, I can understand maybe trying to drive through. Or you'll have other people who, they park their car in a flood zone. And it's like, you have a brand new car. All you had to do was move your car up two feet higher, and nothing would have happened to your car. But you lost your car. During the Johnstown flood, Whenever that dam broke and the waters came down through there, everything in its path was destroyed. Whenever God brings judgment, you and I can get ahead of that. I want to be a wise person. So if God's bringing judgment in our church, if he's going to deal with sin in our church, and you have stuff that's in your life, can I encourage you to get ahead of it? Get ahead of the judgment. Get out of the danger zone. Get out of that place you shouldn't be because God's going to judge sin in our midst. And there's people who you don't have to have destruction in your life. You can repent. We can repent now. You know, the crazy thing is with God, a lot of times if we allow him to, he will correct us. He'll speak to us. And you don't have to be embarrassed or humiliated. You don't have to lose a bunch of stuff. You don't have to have all kinds of devastation in your life. When God speaks to you, you can say, God, I apologize. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm going to go about a way of resolving these issues that are going on. I'm going to get some help with some of these things. But there's others who they just refuse to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And whenever judgment comes, it comes rushing down through a valley like a flood of water. And it just sweeps everything away. Some people lose their lives. Some people lose all of their possessions. Things are destroyed. I think enough said. I just really believe that God's going to bring judgment. So get out of the way. 
get out of the way. Listen to his voice. We're going to read about a time when it's too late to pray. And when prayers accomplish nothing, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man are powerful and effective. But there's going to be a time when prayers won't accomplish anything, when prayer won't work. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19, I'm reading to you from the King James Version because I like that one the way that it says it a little better. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abram saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Jesus tells a story of two men. One was a rich man who had experienced all the blessings and pleasures this life could offer. Many people would have been envious of him. They would say, he's blessed. He's fortunate. He's someone to be envied. He lived in a beautiful gated home on an estate. Lavish furnishings, expensive clothes, Everything he wanted, he could have. And every day, every day was a feast. He had the life. I'm sure that he would have felt quite secure and proud of all that he had done and all that he had accomplished. The other man in our story was a beggar. His name was Lazarus. He was not so fortunate. I don't imagine anybody envied him or wanted to be him. In fact, many people probably felt sorry for him. Maybe he was even hard to look at. Evidently, someone felt sorry for him because the scripture tells us that every day he was laid at the gate of the rich man's estate. Lazarus had some type of physical disability that prevented him from being able to work and earn an income. 
It prevented him from being able to walk there himself because he was laid there. He also was plagued with some form of skin disease that produced open sores all over his body. And the Bible says that the dogs would come and lick the sores and that somehow that provided relief for Lazarus. Lazarus probably didn't want or expect a whole lot out of life. He just hoped that he might be able to get some of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. And evidently that's what he got. Because he wouldn't keep coming back to the same place if he didn't get it. He'd have moved on somewhere else. And so we know that for some reason this wealthy man, maybe he felt good about giving Lazarus the scraps that fell from his table. They lived and they died. That's going to be the story for all of us. We're going to live and we're going to die. Keep in mind this, that death is a great equalizer. It comes to all of us. None of us will escape it. It's amazing how when we look at people, you know, you look at people and sometimes there's people who seem so strong. They seem so powerful. They seem so capable. Maybe a man who's big and strong and powerful and intimidating, but then you see him after cancer or some disease strikes his body. Maybe after an accident and he's paralyzed. When that happens, it, they're not quite so intimidating. In the world's eyes, we look at people and, and people, the Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So man passes judgment based upon what he sees. And so you'll see some man or some woman who's a, a very handsome or a very attractive person. You'll see someone who's very intelligent or very gifted or very skilled or very capable. And sometimes you look at someone like that and you think, wow, look at them. But it's amazing how death equalizes all of us. No matter how strong, handsome, smart, successful you are, you entered into this world butt naked. Everybody say butt naked. All of us entered this world naked. None of you had on fancy jewelry, rings, watches, expensive eyeglasses, cool haircuts. We all entered this world naked. And every single one of us are going to leave it with nothing. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how much you've accumulated. It doesn't matter how many degrees are on your wall. It doesn't matter how many accommodations. It doesn't matter how many friends you have on Facebook or how many people are following you on Twitter. It doesn't matter about your position or your status. We all leave this world the same. Nothing. You take nothing with you. Nothing at all. That's what happened for the rich man. The Bible says this, that the angel carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. Notice that it doesn't say anything about Lazarus being buried. It doesn't say anything about Lazarus being remembered or honored in his death as the rich man was. Back then, they would hire mourners. He probably had a beautiful tomb, family tomb that was was well cared for. He probably had a procession of people who carried his body and walked behind. And there were probably people with tributes to this man. 
Lazarus got none of that. The rich man, he received that. The Bible says, when it, next time it talks about the rich man, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger into water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Can you imagine the sheer horror and terror that comes to an individual the first instant they realize they're in hell? I'm telling you, it happened last night. Last night, there was someone who entered into hell. And there was an instant that they realized, what am I doing here? A few seconds ago, the Bible says that broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that follow it. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. And so the reality of it is, is every moment of the day, every moment of the day, there's someone who discovers themselves in hell. That sheer horror and terror. I want you to think about that. There's someone who say, this has to be a dream. There's someone, just this moment, this has to be a dream. This can't be real. i got to wake up. What's happening? There's someone this very moment who's trying to bargain. At this very moment, they're realizing, they're thinking of all the warnings they rejected. They come rushing to their mind. There's someone this very moment who can't believe that it really happened. Several things I want to point out about hell. The first thing is it says that he was in torment. These people who say, oh, they're going to sell popsicles in hell. Uh, Ain't no joke. This instant. I want you to just wait for a second. Let's just just wait. Let's just sit quietly for five seconds. Some young man or woman just woke up in hell. Let's wait another five seconds. Another one woke up there. Another one woke up there. All the bargaining, all of the arguing won't change anything. The Bible says that he's in torment. It's the Bible says that he can see Abraham and Lazarus afar off and can see what he's missing out on. He can see what he's missing out on. He has a thirst that will not be quenched and never satisfied. The Bible says that in hell, the rich man is tormented in the flames. He calls out for mercy, but there's no mercy in hell. There's not any mercy in hell. There's none to be found there. He calls out for relief, but there's no relief in hell. Abraham responds to his request, and Abraham says, he received the good during this lifetime and now he would be tormented he said Lazarus suffered during his lifetime but now he would be comforted and there was no changing the outcome of their circumstances you need to understand those of you who pray there's some 
people who pray for the dead and think if they give enough money and say enough prayers. I wish. I wish I could promise you that. If you give enough money and light enough candles and somebody says enough prayers and do enough masses, that's baloney. This rich man, he died and in hell. That's where he woke up. There's no changing. It's permanent. People, they want to pray for, you know, Lord, we pray for that. Listen, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be disrespectful. But I got to tell you the truth. There's nothing you can do about it. It's done. When a man or a woman dies without Jesus Christ. You know, we have this idea like all dogs go to heaven. Not all dogs go to heaven. Not all people go to heaven. All people don't go to heaven. As a pastor, you know, one of the things I've fallen into is we hope that in the last minute that they responded to God. I hope in the last minute you prepare for retirement. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't do anything for retirement, you big dummy. Makes me mad. Don't do anything for retirement, and we'll pray. You don't do anything. They tell you, hey, I got a 401k. We'll match whatever you give. No, I don't want to do that. Let's just pray that the last, the last day on the job, when you've not done anything to put into your retirement, that somehow, let's just pray that somehow in the last minute, that somehow you're going to have a big nest egg there to take you through retirement. You're going to be in the soup line. All right? And it ain't going to happen. You think you can, you can work all your life and never put anything into retirement? And then at the very last minute... Well, you know, I'm just going to believe, I'm going to believe that whenever I get there, there's going to be money in my retirement. The, the last day, I, I want to do something on the last day. How do you think that's going to work? That's stupidity. And sometimes because we don't want to make people feel bad, and because we feel sad for people whose family members are lost and loved ones are lost, and, and we don't want to, listen, the words is judge. God's words the judge. We've gotten to the point where nobody's gone to hell. That's what we've gotten to. Well, we'll just hope and believe. Well, how's that working for retirement? You'll be broke. And you know, here's the thing. I don't care what the worst day you have here. The worst day you have here. You and I might have the worst disease, the worst luck, the worst experiences. We're going to die someday. And this life will be over. If you die without Jesus, and a man or a woman wakes up in hell, it never ends. That torment, that sorrow, that loss, that pain, that thirst. You know, the funny thing is when 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 we please our flesh, if our flesh wants something, we give it what it wants to satisfy it. Part of the thing in hell, I believe, is that there's going to be this longing that you have that you satisfied your flesh now, there's going to be this longing in your flesh that you want that will never, ever be satisfied. That frustration, that pain, that sorrow, that suffering. And the reality of it is, is, is we've gotten away as the church. Everybody's going to heaven. That's not what Jesus taught. He didn't teach that. Well, I know, I know my boy, he robbed the bank. The cop shot him, but really wasn't his fault. I just believe he's with Jesus. No, he's not with Jesus. No thief, the, the thieves aren't going in. 
Oh, well, my, my brother, he was crawling out the window of the other guy's wife's house, and, and the guy shot him, and I don't know. He beat him in the head with a club, and he died, but I know really loved Jesus. No, didn't love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so we have people who are living completely ungodly lifestyles. It's not that I slipped up a little bit. They're practicing sin, and we think they're going to heaven. They're not. They're not. It's like getting on the bus. If you're picking a bus to heaven, I wouldn't get on at Adulteryville. You know what I mean? I think, all right, this bus looks like a good one. Let me see if I can hop on that with you too. Immoralityville, Lionville. That's not the place to get on the bus to heaven. That's not where you want to go. There's so many people who we've, we've lost this fear of God. We've lost this fear of God, that God's a good God. He's a loving Father. He is. Our Heavenly Father, He loves you. I'll tell you what, He'll beat your behind. He'll discipline you. He'll spank you. He'll bring pain and sorrow in the hopes of bringing you back to the place that you need to be because of His love for you. But He's also a just judge. And if a man or a woman chooses to reject, listen to me, somebody else paid the price for your sin. Somebody else paid the price for your redemption. Jesus shed his blood so that you could be free. He shed his blood so that you could be made right with God. And if you choose to trample on the grace of God and the blood of Jesus... There's people who feel more at home in the world with the enemy, with his ways. And he will not force you. He will not impose his will upon you and force you to serve him and spend eternity with him. If you choose to reject him, he loves you enough. He'll put roadblocks. He'll send angels. He'll send people. He'll do all kinds of things to change your way. Some of you, you've you've hit the wall a time or two. That was God. I was out of his love for you. Some of you have lost some things. I was God. I was out of his love for you. He cares about you. Listen, the best thing that can happen for some people is for the consequences of their sin and their rebellion and their rejection of God to catch up with them in this life because it gives them a chance. There's coming a day when, whenever there will be no grace. This is a day of grace. This is a day of mercy. This is a day if someone calls upon the Lord, they can be saved. But there's coming a day and a time in people's lives that no matter how much they cry, no matter how much they beg, no matter how much they plead, it'll be set. It's done. This man had another request. He had a prayer request from hell. There's no answered prayers in hell. He had a prayer request from hell. You don't get your prayers answered in hell. Rejected. He said, send someone to my brothers and tell them don't go there. That's what we got the, mess, the title of our message, don't go there. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they'll repent. 
And he saith unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let me tell you something. If you care about your brothers, hear me loud and clear. If you have something you need to tell your brothers, you need to tell them now. I'll say that one more time. So those people on your list, if you got a message for them, you better give it to them now. If you got a word for them, if they need to hear something, if you need to warn your son or your daughter, you need to do it now. If there were a car barreling down the road toward them and they didn't see it coming, you would hopefully knock them out of the way. Well, what about, what about their shirt? What if they get dirty? Who cares? There's a car running down the road. Pastor, what if they get offended? What if I hurt their feeling? Seriously? If you honestly know that the person you love and care about is headed towards hell, and you're not going to say anything? You're not going to speak up? The Bible says that Lord will wipe away every tear from their eye. And I wonder if on Judgment Day, I wonder if there'll be some tears shed. I believe that there will. One of the things that the Lord put on my heart is this. There's some people, maybe in this room, that in your previous life, you led some people down the wrong road. In your previous life, when they followed you, You let them places they shouldn't go. You let them into things. Maybe some of you parents. Maybe some of you older brothers or sisters. You've been rescued. You've been brought from death to life. Now you've got a responsibility. You're not fearful. You're not cowards. We're not unbelieving. We're people of faith. We're called to rescue those who are perishing. We're called to bring them out. You don't have to go back into the muck, into the mire. But you need to grab a hold of some of those people. Some of the guys you used to party with. Some of the people you used to carouse with. Some of the people you used to get in trouble with. Some of you need to make some phone calls. You need to tell them what Jesus has done in your heart. Because in the past, you let them down the wrong road. I know there's someone in one of our services that that, that applies to. I don't believe in gambling, but there's a principle that I want to share with you. If you are a gambler, I hope that you're not. Don't gamble with something you can't afford to lose. It's a life principle. If you can't afford to lose it, don't gamble with it. Eternity. You can't afford to be wrong there. You can't afford... That son, that daughter, that loved one of yours. I get aggravated at parents. If there's anything that would make me want to slap somebody. I don't, but it would make me. When I see parents who live a life of compromise in front of their kids. Man, you tick me off. Because they're following you. I know we all make mistakes. I know we all fall short. But when you purposely live a life of compromise... Then you wonder why your kids don't want anything to do with God. You wonder why you're dealing with some of the consequences of it. Please. 
come alive. Wait, that's why when we turn from our wicked ways, we need to search our hearts and say, God, if there's stuff in my life, God sent a judgment. I want to say, God, search my life. If you're going to judge, I want to get ahead of it. I'm asking you, Lord, I need your help. Lord, we desperately need your help. I need you. I need you to work inside of me. I need you to move in my life. You can't afford to gamble with the eternity of the people that you love. Listen to me. God called you for something greater. He's called you to make a difference for eternity. He's called you to rescue, to bring people into his kingdom. These kingdom rescuers, we come in all different shapes and sizes and personalities and styles, but God wants to use all of us to advance his kingdom. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we stop in this moment, but we stop to ask the Lord of the harvest, which field do you want me to harvest today? Where do you want me to work today, Lord? It's your harvest. They're your people. But you've entrusted me with this great privilege. So I pray, Father, that as you send us out, that we would hear clear instructions. And I pray this in Jesus' name.